Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and you guys, I am so excited to have you here and to share this amazing interview with you today. I've gotten a lot of requests for an interview like this, and I know that a lot of you are starting or already have your own brands. This topic, trade shows, is something that you are considering, but when it comes to trade shows, there are so many questions like, am I ready? How much will it cost? How does this all work? How do I make sure it's going to be a success? And in this interview today with Danielle Licata and Kelly Helfman, this is exactly what we talk about. Danielle and Kelly are brand directors for the Magic Trade Show in Vegas, the Coterie Trade Show in New York, and a ton of other specialty shows for specific categories. If you've not heard of Magic or Coterie, these are some of the largest fashion trade show events in North America. And these women have been doing this forever. They know their stuff inside and out, and they are so helpful with their advice and their knowledge in our interview. I know you're going to love it. We go through everything from what these trade shows are doing to help cater to and support startup and emerging designers like you. They talk about how to decide if you're ready. They go through the exact numbers of how much it's going to cost. And their team and Kelly and Danielle themselves have really worked to set you guys up for success. So please listen to everything they say. They have a whole group of people behind the scenes that help guide you through every phase. And in our chat, we talk through everything you need to know to prepare and to make your most of the time before, during, and after the show. Kelly and Danielle talk through exact ways that you can connect with buyers to make sure that you show up at the show and write orders, and they give you step-by-step advice, everything you need to know to figure figure out if this is the right path for you and how to make the most of your trade show experience. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I know you're going to love it. And again, thank you so much to everyone out there. I'll remind you that if you like this podcast, please make sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review like listener Kim Schalk, who had this to say about the SFT podcast. Kim says, just heard the piece about the fashion showroom place. As a designer who is slowly finding my way, this has been incredibly helpful. I've heard many podcasts about business and fashion, and almost all of them have been pretty lame. This one is different. I've only listened to one episode, but the interviewer has, her words not mine, (laughs) enough balls to ask all the right questions, especially questions about the cost of things. Please keep asking. I am a person who never shuts up, and I cannot recommend this podcast enough. Well done. Thank you, Kim, so much for that awesome review. I really appreciate the kind words. And I'm so glad you have found everything so useful. So if you too love listening, I'd be super grateful to hear from you in an iTunes review. You can do that anytime at sfdnetwork.com slash review or just scroll down if you're listening on iTunes right now. I would love to give you a shout out on the air too. As always, access to the show notes can be found anywhere you're listening to the podcast. Just scroll down and they should all be right there with the links and everything mentioned. Now let's jump on to the interview with Danielle and Kelly. All right. Well, let's dive into the conversation. Um, 
So first of all, Kelly and Danielle, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I'm really excited to dig into all of this trade show stuff with you guys. But can we first start out by a quick introduction from each of you about who you are and what exactly it is that you do? So Danielle, why don't you kick us off? Sure. So I'm currently the VP and brand director of The Coterie Show. Um, for those of you who don't know what Coterie is, it's one of the largest platforms for B2B trade. Um, and we focus on the women's contemporary apparel space. We also have accessories and footwear within the market. Um, but definitely the core of our business is in clothing. Um, the clothing ranges everywhere from denim and T-shirts and casual lifestyle products to evening wear. Awesome. And Kelly, what about you? Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Hey guys, I'm Kelly Helfman. I'm also the vice president and brand director, but I do WWD magic and I primarily focused on Las Vegas and that is a little bit more of a moderate popular price point. I too have apparel, accessories, footwear. It's a little bit of everything. Great price points, pretty much all retails under $150. We're about 550 brands now making up over 215,000 square feet. And we're in Vegas twice a year. I also handle fame and accessories, the show in New York, as well as pool trade show in Las Vegas, which is pools a little bit more of a mom and pop show for new brands and emerging, which we can get into a little later. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to talk about that. I went to magic years ago and walked on the pool show as well as the magic show. And, and I love the vibe that you guys have going on with pool. So I'm excited to dig into that. Um, yeah. so, so I'm not even sure where the best place is to start with this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't <laughs> so much, <laughs> there's so much to go through. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people out there listening, you know, maybe already doing trade shows and maybe they're exploring, you know, going to magic or, or coterie or one of the shows that you guys work with. There also may be some people who haven't done trade shows who are thinking about it and they're kind of trying to figure out, you know, is it right for me? Which one is right for me? Where do I really start? Um, so, so kind of thinking about, let, let's start with that person who maybe is on the edge. You know, what, what kind of brands do you guys see coming to your trade shows? Is this a good place to start and kick off? And if so, what does that really look like? Yeah, I'll, I'll start, Danielle. I think that what we do is provide a platform for any brands that are interested in wholesale. So, you know, some brands start with direct to consumer, some start with wholesale or they, they dip into the other after they've really perfected one. So we provide that B2B platform for you guys to exhibit. And really what that means is we have shows for every sort of brand, whether you're really new in a startup and emerging and just starting that, that could be a cool trade show, or we have little areas within our more established trade shows that are for emerging brands. So in Danielle's show, she has Project Women's right now, and there is an area called Oasis, and that's for some of our emerging brands. I have a little area called Glam that is for startup beauty brands that want to get into apparel stores. Or you could be as big as a free people, Steve Madden, you know, Diane von Furstenberg, and you can meet your retailers there as well. So we do have a range of shows for what's best for your business. So it's kind of our job to really act as a consultant for you. So you tell us, you know, I've never done a trade show. I don't really know where to start. I've really just been doing direct to consumer and I want to start selling to stores or, you know, I sell to a few little mom and pop stores and I want to go to the next level and maybe start really getting into some bigger retailers. So we'll take you through the process and tell you which shows would be best for you. And then whether it's on the East coast or the West coast, we'll go through that. Um, And so it's our job to handhold the 
clients and really do what's best for their business. Oh my, I mean, literally a weight Mm -hmm. of pressure just like got lifted off my shoulders (laughs) because I'm not going to lie, like looking at your guys' assortment of shows and all the different varieties. It's intimidating. It's intimidating. And I'm like, wait, what one's right for me? And so that's so amazing. It sounds like, is it actually you two that are kind of built in to, to walk people through and figure out where they're best fit? Yeah, we have a, a obviously a big team, but sure. we talk to a lot of brands and walk them through it. I think that Danielle and I specifically um, enjoy that, <laughs> talking yeah. to the customers and really helping them through the process. It's so easy for us to determine exactly what show they need to go in after a 15-minute conversation, oh. seeing the website, lookbook, understanding what their business is, and then just really giving you a suggestion and then connecting you with the right team members to hold your hand through that entire process of potentially exhibiting. Oh, I love this. You guys are really setting people up for success. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And so I would start by reaching out to you, one of you guys or your team and, and learning, okay, which show makes the most sense for me? Um, Mm -hmm. and then going forward from there. So what, what kind of a timeline should I be looking at to think about doing this? Am I planning six months in advance or a year or two months? What are we really looking at? Um, I would say taking a step even back one one level, you, you probably have people who are um, joining your podcast from all walks of life and at all different stages of their business. Yes. We have done initiatives before with, you know, the Parsons of the world and the FATs of the world supporting kind of young talent. And I would say what's most important is that a brand is kind of well-defined in term in terms of having uh, the budget to make collateral, you know, being able to have a lookbook or imagery that they're already, you know, have readily available to help us to promote you. Um, and also to have a couple seasons of design under their belt so that they know, you know, already how to produce or to make things happen that, you know, the clients are going to come in and they're going to have a lot of questions for you, Mm -hmm. Um, clients being the stores. So you need to be prepared in lots of different ways, which again, that's why we're here to help. But I would say it's not for your first collection that you ever make um, in, you know, in design school. It's more of mm-hmm. after you've committed to a direction and you know who your who your girl is and you have a little bit of capital to invest not only in doing the show several times but also in pieces of collateral that are going to help us really explain who you are with you know a, a visual image ah, um obviously yeah. instagram makes things so a lot easier because we can, you know, connect people with people through instagram but also utilize, you know, and push people to your Instagram and we have a B2B following. So, you know, we're never going to have the million followers, but our followers are really, you know, engaged, but they're store buyers and that's, what's most important. So when we're posting about somebody, they're using it as a resource for, um, finding the next talent. Um, and we want to make sure that we have, you know, everyone puts their first, their, uh, their right foot forward when, when they, you know, launch on our platforms and in the show as well. Yeah, yeah, and sorry, just to ahead. add on to that, um, I wanted to say we get a lot of calls from brands that have just started up, and like Danielle said, they they may not necessarily be ready to mm. sell to these stores, and so they're very green, and that's okay. We all start somewhere. We definitely tell you at that point if we don't feel you're ready to jump to this next level of trade shows that take some time, come walk the show instead of just jumping into it without seeing it. And then you'll really see how you need to be prepared. You need to be able to fill big orders. You can't just be making jewelry out of your garage. You have to be able to really 
um, fulfill these guys because they will come in with some big, heavy orders. You need to have everything prepared to be able to do that. And so we are not afraid. I mean, even though we're in the business of selling booze for a living, <laughs> we will not take your money if you guys are not ready. So just rest assured that we will be able to tell you exactly our expectations for you to be successful at the show. And if not, it's okay. Come walk the show. We definitely have salespeople giving tours all show long. So you can then have an idea of what to expect when you do choose to exhibit. And yeah. your initial question also is, do I prepare six months out? Once you are ready to make that next step, I mean, we have five New York markets a year where we have show options and then we have two Vegas. So we're always putting on a show seven times a year for the women's market specifically. So anytime you're ready to jump in there, we will definitely accept your contract and then get you prepared for a show that is coming in the next few months. So you have time to really prepare set appointments. You know, a lot of times people just come to these trade shows and expect the walk by traffic, but ultimately yeah. you also need to do your homework. The buyers are there at the show. We get them there, but it's up to you to really market your brand and be able yeah. to set appointments prior. So you set yourself up for success as well. And then that walk by traffic is just extra icing on the cake. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I love all this, um, and it gives me a better framework to sort of, you know, ask some really, really good questions for, like you said, the person out there who maybe is just starting, and they're like, well, I think I could be ready for a trade show. Let me just show up and drop my stuff off, and everyone's going to walk by and want to buy it. But there's so much more before that. So the brands that you see joining any one of your trade shows and having success um, and I know that's like a really loaded question, but like, what is the foundation that, that you're seeing most successful brands start with before they jump into your trade show? Is that doing specifically direct to consumer via their own site and maybe pop-up shops for three years and pushing through a few different collections mm -hmm. to really define and, and like, wh what stage are they really at where it's, you could say this could be a really good fit versus you're maybe a little bit early for this. Yeah, I would say. When they, when they have a direct-to-consumer brand, that's great for us in terms of having someone at a trade show who's already built their own following. People are always asking, how are the trade shows competing with, working with, or, you know, dealing with direct the rise of direct-to-consumer products? Yeah. For us, I think direct-to-consumer products are amazing because you are going to go out there and you're going to build your own Instagram following, which is not a cheap endeavor. You're going to... <laughs> Be in pop-up shops. You're going to sell to the end consumer. Learn what works. Learn what doesn't. Refine your collection based on sales and returns. Then we're going to get you. That's that's the ideal situation because people are going to walk over to your booth and actually the first thing they're going to do is go on Instagram and put your name in. And when they're going to mm -hmm. see that you already have a following, they might not have heard about you, but they're going to feel a lot more confident about buying the product. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a great great first start. Um, I would say anybody who's already doing those things is a hundred percent ready for a trade show. Okay. Uh, it's just, when are they ready for us? Um, and then the people who are not at that stage yet and are in all different stages of getting there or setting that up. I think that's really where Kelly and I and the team come into place with really directing you about, do we think it's ready? Is this something, even if it's at its infancy is something people are asking us for example, you know, in a resort market, people might be all over straw 
hats this season and you you have a straw hat line and because of that yeah you that you might be green and this might be new but you're hitting an on-trend product at the right moment at the right time and we're we're kind of like meeting at the right moment I would say in that case we would push you to do the show but mm. if it's something that's a saturated part of the market where you we don't feel you're ready we're, we're going to be honest Okay, interesting. So you guys, in terms of just seeing what works and what doesn't work at the shows and talking to buyers, you're getting a really good pulse on like maybe where there's some opportunity for someone to come in and fill a niche that's not being served. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. Um, okay, so and and clearly it sounds like Instagram is a really big deal. I mean, it's it can be a very like you said, it's a hard place to build. You don't just get followers, but the buyers take that very seriously as far as validation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think our boutiques are always scrolling for brands on Instagram to find new cool things that they can add into their lineup. And so it's yeah. really important that you're very clear on your brand story and who your girl is, like Danielle mentioned before on Instagram. And then that way, when they walk by you at the show, they're, they're going to do their homework and check out your vibe on Instagram, what your feed looks like. And so if you've built that up before you come to the show, that's definitely a plus. You know, and back in the day when we, you know, 12 years ago, when I started <laughs> at Magic, I would say it was a different game, right? Yeah. People started in the wholesale game and then went D to C. But now we're definitely seeing the business reverse quite a bit, which is super interesting. Both wholesale and direct consumer are super important. It's just the order that it's happening in is changing a little bit. And with social media, they have the access to all the consumers. So we're working hand in hand. We definitely believe that you need to do both direct to consumer and B2B and be in wholesale. And it's just um, what works for best for your business and how you want to start that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have, you know, as an, as an example of a success story of what Kelly and I are talking about, I have brands that come in from all around the world. Um, the show's 20% international and has 1300 brands. So quite yeah. a large amount of international brands. Yeah. And there's brands where in their country, they are huge. They have 30 of their own stores. They have a huge wholesale network and just they're unheard of in America. And they might come in in a very small way you know, almost like an emerging brand would, you know, in a 10 by 10 booth in a kind of the starter kit, as we would call it. Yeah. And it's not until the buyer really does look them up on Instagram and realize, wow, that is actually a huge company. And wow. I can feel really confident in buying from them, even though they're all the way from Brazil or Colombia or anywhere else. That's really important. And I think that that really helps people also to place the actual order. They might love what they see in the booth, but actually leaving the paper, which is what the show is about, is people actually meeting, making meaningful connections for the future, and then leaving paper um, or orders at the booth. That happens because they feel secure. So I think also, you know, having, you know, either wholesale distribution going already or your own uh, direct-to-consumer platform, all of those things make build people's confidence. Yeah. And that's, wow, that social, that Instagram social proof really holds quite a heavier weight than I would have thought. Um, it mm -hmm. makes sense once you explain it. Um, mm -hmm. and so what are you guys seeing? Um, because tiny side note, years ago I had a, a, a line of my own and, and mostly jewelry and accessories. And I found that I had to go to multiple trade shows to really get the buyer's trust before they would place an order. And so what are you guys mm -hmm. seeing in terms of, you know, it's my first time showing at a trade show. Maybe I do, I, I probably should already, you know, as you said, have my direct to consumer channel set up. I should know my customer really well, have a few seasons under my belt. But what are you seeing in terms of, can I really show up the first time 
and expect to walk away with some new accounts, with some orders, or do I really have to understand that this might be like a three trade show investment to prove myself and to show the buyer that I'm here and I'm serious and I'm going to deliver? Um, Mm -hmm. How does that work? Great question. we, yeah, great question. We recommend three okay. because, and the, and the, you know, it's hard to put a number on it, but the re, where we get that number from is that we see our retention rate for that customer jump up from 50% they're going to come back to 90% they're going to come back after three shows. So mm-hmm. we know that the, that the, that for that, for us, that says one show, you know, you might have made a little progress, met some good people, taken some orders. It doesn't mean you didn't take orders, mm-hmm. but even if you took orders, it might not have been as many orders as you wanted or from the from the stores that you were looking for, or you might have, you know, run out of money. All different sorts of situations happen. Yeah. But really having the money aside for three events shows that you're building for the future. Again, stores will see you repeatedly. That gives them confidence. That's mm-hmm. what we were talking about before with Instagram. And not only that, but we know just from a pure statistical point of view that that's when people start to rely on the show mm-hmm. and really say they can't miss it. Okay. Yeah, you don't want this to be a one and done investment. You want to make right. sure that you have the budget to do three trade shows at least. Those stores, like Danielle said, are definitely going to want to make sure that they see you a second time and that you're legit and you're going to be able to deliver. And oftentimes, a lot of people assume they're going to just write a lot of paper at the show, mm-hmm. but you have a lot of licky loos that are kind of creating their um, vision for their stores in their head while they're walking the aisles and they're grabbing a lot of lookbooks and business cards. And oftentimes you will see after the show orders come in because they go back to the stores, they decide who they want to order from. So that paper does come on later on as well. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's, you know, the other thing I, I've um, talked about and heard other people talk about too, is it's not, you know, you can't always look at it as like, okay, I spent X dollars to do this trade show. And then I wrote this many orders the week of, or what have you. And that's my return. You know, those stores may order again in three months, six months, 12 months. And so it's a long, it's a long tail game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And th- yeah, that person could become your most loyal and growing yeah. customer. Yeah. And often their, their order, if they're going to be a repeat buyer, which is amazing, their first order is obviously going to be their smallest. Right. Because they learn what works and they, they dig deeper into that or, you know, they, they know that they could sell way more than what they purchase. So yeah, that's, that's definitely tr- the right way to look at it. Okay. And can I ask, and I know this probably varies depending on what show, but maybe you could give a, a rough range. You mm-hmm. know, if I'm thinking about, okay, doing this, I know I need to invest in three shows. Like, what am I really looking at? How much money to set aside to, to do that? Sure. Should we, um, I could talk a little bit towards magic and then Danielle can talk about Coterie. So we're covering both markets. Coterie, obviously focusing a little bit more on the contemporary and premium and magic being a little bit more mass market popular price point. So I would say, I mean, just your basic 10 by 10 booth package where it comes with everything, the walls, racks, table, chairs, whatnot can range. Um, for magic, it's, if you're, it's about 5,500 to 65, 
500 for a 10 by 10 and that's an all-inclusive price. Okay. Now a 10 by 10 often only fits 100 samples. So you really need to make sure you take enough 10 by 10s to fit your collection that you want to bring. So if you want to take a 10 by 20, it's double that and so forth. But it does include everything you need. Okay. Um, for the accessories market, the price is a little bit lower. We realize that accessories, you don't need as much space and whatnot. So that's the range for Vegas. It also is a very different market. You know, we get a lot more um, buyers from around the world and we have a lot from the West Coast where Danielle can speak. She gets a lot more international European and East Coast and Midwest, obviously. So that's pretty much what you have to think about in terms of budget for magic. We also have a raw space option where you just get a slab of concrete. And then if you have the budget, you could actually bring in your own booth and brand it out. Right, which adds a whole nother layer of cost. Everyone, it sounds yeah, very attractive. I suggest, <laughs> yeah, I would suggest for a first show, you yes. come in with that inclusive booth package and then you just decorate it and brand it out as much as you can. And we have guidelines and we help you out and give you signage options. So we really walk you through that process um, and help you with the display and trimming it up. Okay, that's great. And then what about Coterie, Danielle? So Coterie really starts at an $8,300 price point, okay. which is quite high, but mm -hmm. it's a, it has a very high ratio of buyers to brands yeah. um, and very high commercial um, return for those brands who participate. We sometimes launch a section called Tomorrow. Um, we're not going to have it this season, but it will be returning in September. And tomorrow is $4,000, but it definitely is um, a turnkey booth package that fits certain types of brands aesthetically. So it's not for everybody. It's a little bit more avant-garde, a little bit more international, um, and we cap that at only 50 brands. So you really have to know you want to be in that. It's almost like early decision for college or something. You you know what you want to <laughs> do. And so you get that in really early because that fills up and you know, we only, you know, we have a very limited opportunity to, to have that price point. Um, but there's no branding in that section either. So if you got the $8,300 booth, you could put your logo and uh, your brand book pictures up or anything you want up. Mm -hmm. But in the tomorrow section, it's super clean and we aggregate, you know, the new brands together. So that way the buyers also have a destination where they know they can see a lot of new things very quickly. Okay, that's awesome. Um, and so thanks for giving such specific numbers. And then, you know, just on top of that, obviously you'd want to plan for travel and expenses and just shipping and Correct. all the extra peripherals and then multiply that times three. And if that feels like a manageable place to be and you have that money aside, then it's probably time to, to think about exploring this if that's the next step for you. And just yep. to, uh, one other thing for very new emerging brands, like a pool trade show is, yeah. you know, only in, we have cash and carry options and standard booth options that are all under 4,500. So mm. we do have other options for brands that are way more new and they do more of a craft fair scene right now. And they're looking, they're more handmade. And so we do have options. So don't let the price really intimidate you. Okay. Um, I think all of the marketplaces do have these options and a lot of them are cash and carry. So it's not just for wholesale ordering. So definitely again, utilize our team so we can talk you through it and really help you do what's best for your business. Okay. Gotcha. So and beyond mm -hmm. just connecting with, with wholesale buyers, there's mm -hmm. good opportunity that different areas open to the public to actually have like make transactions right then as you said cash and carry so cash and carry is for attendees that are at the show but in order to get into magic right now you do have to have a retail license but brands could come order from you and stores could walk away with no minimum and just you know buy three items we do have in new york and danielle could speak of some that are open to the public danielle okay, you want gotcha. to touch on that 
Yeah. Um, currently, we're, we're keeping beauty and vintage and kind of areas where the products are more of a diffusion from our normal core business. We're opening those to the public um, and selling tickets, and they've been quite successful. We're looking, and it's really, uh, we should come back on your show when we're officially going to uh-huh. launch it, but we're looking <laughs> at launching um, in a bigger way for brands who might not either be ready for the show or f- who might have a direct-to-consumer-only focus, a platform that allows them to do that. Oh, I love that you guys are talking about that and figuring out oh, how yeah. to... Yeah, because I was at Outdoor Retailer um, earlier this year doing some interviews, and a lot of the brands I was talking to, they were, they're desperate for this combination platform where they can do... They can, they can have access to the wholesale buyers, but then, you know, maybe the last two days are open to the public. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a mix of both worlds. So that's really exciting. You guys are breaking into that as well. Yeah, I think yeah. that the future of trade shows are really interesting. You know, we are definitely aware of what's happening in this industry and we want yeah. to evolve with it. So we want to give, instead of just our normal B2B platform, which is a huge part of what we do and we really believe in it, that stores want to come and touch and feel and meet these brands in person. We do understand that you also need a platform to order online throughout the year. We understand that you want a D2C event. So I think that um, our company, which we just UBM was just bought, we're now in Forma, is really clear on that. We definitely have plans to launch more in the future and evolve both digitally, D to C, and then keep our core business as B to B. Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. Um, okay, so a couple specific questions on things you guys touched on earlier. You know, you mentioned um, wanting if if let's say someone out there listening is like, okay, you know, I'm in that spot and I. I have an established D2C business with my website and my Instagram's looking really hot and I, I, I'm ready to go in for three shows. Um, getting prepared for that, you know, you talked about having the right collateral and the lookbooks. Um, I think for some people it can feel like, well, who prints a catalog anymore? But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I've been in my fair share of trade shows throughout the day. And um, is that exclusively what you're seeing? Like in, in terms of physical paper, what, what is the best way to go and prepare? as a brand? You know, I just think it depends on your market too. So if you're a more uh, missy brand, let's say, and your clientele is a little bit more mature and old school, then they like to walk away with the catalog still. Mm -hmm. But if your target and your stores are uh, more of the millennial owner and a little bit more digital savvy, you could just give them a USB or send them a quick digital link. And then that works as well. So it really depends on who your target customer is ultimately, but I would have both available just to be safe because everybody has different preferences for sure. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, you also made the comment of, you know, you can't just pop your booth up and expect people to walk Mm -hmm. by and stop in and place orders. Like Mm -hmm. appointments are so important. So you say that and I'm sitting here thinking, well, how do I get the appointments? It's if my, if it's Mm -hmm. my first time, like, what do I really do? Do you provide me with a list and I'm cold calling or cold emailing? Like, how does that work? So that's actually, this is going to be the key to your success is knowing who you are and knowing where you should be positioned. I think there's a lot of, as, as we talk to brands every day, there's a little bit of kind of, the perception that everyone should be at only the best stores. And, you know, I have people tell me all the time they belong in Barney's or they're looking to meet, you know, Net-A-Porter and Mm -hmm. they just go right to the top. And I think it's important that, you know, every product has to know it's perfect consumer and it's perfect positioning to be successful and like own who they are. So 
What I would say, first of all, is to understand, you know, what is your price point? What is your aesthetic? And to do a deep dive research on the stores that are buying that price point and that aesthetic, you know, pick five different brands that really kind of either are complementary, similar or complementary to your brand. So if you're, you know, in a lace, a lace blouse resource at $600, what mm -hmm. bottom is your woman wearing with that? What jewelry does she wear? Who is she? And research where all of those products are currently being sold, which is super easy through Stockus online. Yeah. Um, and after you do that research, it's coming up with, you know, your like, you know, A-list stores, your B-list stores and your C-list stores and saying, these are the people I'd like to meet. And then even before you sign up for the trade show, really questioning the show. Do these people shop at the show? Mm. Um, and is it, what can you do to help me get in front of these people? That's, that's our job. Our job is to matchmake and to really help you get to that point where you're having a successful show on your own. You don't need us anymore. You have your own appointments, but it takes those three shows to get there. So utilize us. But we, we don't do that kind of research for brands because we think that, you know, we'll give advice, but we don't, won't sit there and go through people's stockists and say, yeah, we think you should sell so-and-so. Um, we can make some general suggestions, but it's really up to you to do that due diligence. You've come this far, you have a beautiful collection, you got everything in check. Now make sure you know who you'd want to sell. Um, that is key. And I think that's a question a lot of people don't actually ask us that is super, you know, important with, do these people come to your, to your show and what are my marketing opportunities to get in front of them before the show starts? Mm, okay. So I could compile my list and then say, are people from these places showing up? I can give that to you, ask you that. Absolutely. And I think what's key is to know we're going to outreach, but we're only going to outreach organically. So we're not going to outreach for this brand and then that brand and then this sure. brand. We, and we're not going to give you their contact details because they're proprietary. So what we're going to do, and everyone would be emailing them. So what we what we do is we gather up like five or six brands that we think are appropriate for a store. And then we email because we're putting, you know, our name and reputation on the fact that we think those are the right fit. Right. So you know, again, our relationships have to be maintained in order for the stores to continue to come back to the shows and to find the matchmaking valuable. So we try to really knock it out of the park with suggestions that we think they're going to love. And people ask sometimes, you know, sometimes stores are going in a new direction and they'll say to me, I'm going to stop carrying these five lines and I'm looking for replacements for those types of businesses. How can you help me? And mm. so you know, we, we try to get it on both sides and then make those meaningful connections. And we have teams of people who do that for a living all day long. Wow. That's so cool. And so then it could literally be how well prepared am I as a brand in terms of giving you my best collateral and telling you exactly who my ideal customer is and what the stores are. If I can deliver all of that to you on a silver platter, then that makes it so much easier for you to match make me with those buyers that are going to be showing up or are directly coming to you asking for product perhaps yep. like mine. Yep. Yeah. So many people don't realize that we have a retail relations team that can offer mm. you this service. So it's part of the added value as being part of our trade shows. Gotcha. And so then just doing that upfront work, um, that's how I can then start to book appointments in advance. But am I then just like really reaching out to those boutiques on my own or those shops on my own? Or how does that actually work? Okay, guys, the best thing is we're launching an app. Um, this February actually for magic called it's going to be called magic online and it's an app that everybody has to use both all attendees so the exhibitors and the retailers who are coming to the show okay. and it's your going to be your batch right so that 
app is actually going to be able to have a matchmaking tool where you could connect with people that are coming to the show or at the show live. So that will be a huge matchmaking tool that you will have access to as part of the trade show um, operation. Ah, okay. I love that. I love that. So many things you guys are thinking of and have in the works. It sounds like a lot of fun stuff is coming in 2019. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Um, Okay. So other than like, you know, having a really clear definition of who my customer is, what, you know, who I'm making product for and where I ultimately Mm -hmm. want that to be sold in a retail environment. What are some other ways that you've seen brands, you know, really sort of kick off the trade show experience and have a successful show? And that may be in terms of like doing some marketing promotion campaigns before the show where the buyers are like, there's, they create so much anticipation that the buyer gets to the show and they're like, I cannot wait to get to this person's booth. Like, have you seen anybody do some really creative things to just sort of explode the trade show experience for themselves? Oh yeah. Experiential, experiential activate. It's all about that. So just like you, you know, if you have a retail store or you should be doing that in your store, you should also be doing that in your booth. So what sets you apart from everybody else that they have the opportunity to see at the show? Obviously it's your display and how you merchandise and it should be a beautiful booth, not too overwhelming, but what are you doing? Are you giving away mimosas? Do you have a make your own bouquet bar? People want to do something and walk away with a great feeling that they did something different in your booth. So you need to think outside the box. Is it the music you're playing at the booth? Is it, you know, what was that vibe feeling? Like a lot of girls are doing the most insane things. I mean, Dolce Vita had a huge table in the middle of their booth and you really got to make your own arrangement. And when has anybody had the opportunity to do that in a very cool way on a trade show floor? So they had all these different flowers and you put them together and you know you made something or you made a succulent bouquet and you walked away with it. I think that that creates the brand also for you. So um, giving out something that, you know, cupcakes in cashmere, she was there giving out little cupcakes to all of her buyers. Mm -hmm. It doesn't also have to be a giveaway. I think it just really is, you know, those five senses and tapping on that, you know, is it something they smell? Is it something they taste? Is it something they hear? What are you doing to make that experience exciting and different than walking into any other booth at the show floor? So get creative. Think about your display a little bit more than just putting up some dresses on a rack. Yeah. Yeah. The same thing. I mean, the same thing drives people everywhere. I would say it is the food. It is the music. It is the atmosphere. It's definitely also the Instagram moment Mm -hmm. where they take a photo. It's all about the photo. They never forget that they were there. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of the things that I think I've seen that have been super successful have been, you know, we had a shoe vendor who had a person actually tattooing on the shoes live in the booth. It was awesome. Um, We've had vendors who did amazing floral walls that literally every person wanted to stop and just stand in front of. And so Mm. their booth looked like it was a frenzy all day. Um, And that's the frenzy creates more frenzy. So it's also, you know, about having, you know, a busy booth and uh, to that end also looking super engaged. So like the people are sitting in their booths, sitting on their phone and not like actively, you know, talking to people and being part of the event. You just, 
you see that their events are not nearly as successful as the people who are like making friends with their neighbors who probably have done the show before and might have a brand, you know, that selling basically the other people around them on their brand, because then people like start passing each other around. And that's really what starts to happen at the shows. It's the power of many, you know, yeah. um, and utilizing thing. everyone's relationships. Absolutely. Um, I remember this past Magic Dickies relaunched at WWD Magic and they did a really cool kind of throwback because everything right now is those throwback 90s brands and they're one of them. So they did a really cool old school <laughs> Dickies workwear jacket and they were embroidering, embroidering on it um, every buyer's name who ordered from them. So you would walk away with this old school Dickies jacket with your name or your Instagram handle. And I think it's also that gives when somebody takes a cool picture and they tag and they post, you're getting all that extra visibility on social media as well. So like Danielle said, whether it's a flower wall or a personalized embroidered jacket, it's really about that Instagrammable moment that's going to get you that exposure. You know, when we swag influencers and we gift them, your hope is that they're going to tag you and post you on social media, and then that's going to drive some traffic to your online platform. So I think it's the same concept for the show. What are these boutiques and these attendees going to do and get them excited to really post and tag and get you more free exposure for just being at the trade show? Yeah. I mean, if someone out there is listening has never gone to a trade show, yeah, you can't just think of it like, oh, I just put my rack up and it happens. It really is creating this experience just like we're seeing in retail right now. It's the same thing. The buyer is still a buyer, whether they're placing a wholesale order or, you know, buying two things at your retail shop, you have to create that ambiance and that experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fantastic. Um, so I know you mentioned earlier walking the floor in advance to, to check out the show um, and see if it is the right match for you. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think for a lot of people, you can, and, and even I've had this feeling before I look at a trade show, I'm like, well, you have to have certain qualifications to get in. You know, I have to submit, and I won't name any names, but I've, there's a show <laughs> I tried to get into as a press opportunity to go do interviews. Um, and it was like I had to jump through a million hoops and red tape and I was like you're making this way too hard for me to come and help document the brands and so mm -hmm. I think maybe just and some of that might be reality some of that might just be a perception that people have about getting into a trade show um, but what does that sort of walking experience look like if someone's like I just want to go check it out first and see if it's right for me we have so we have walking tours pretty much anytime you want them. They used to be like super scheduled and organized and mm -hmm. every hour and a half. And now we know that that's much even harder to do with everybody's schedule. So it's kind of ad hoc. You come in, you see, you go over to, you know, VIP registration and you let them know that you're a possible brand wanting to participate or you're a press. And without, you know, running you through all of the credentialing, somebody will walk you around the floor. We don't just let people loose because it ends up being like they want to write personal orders from. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Who are they really are sneaking floor? in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but we do we we encourage people to come and in fact we like to pair you up with somebody who would eventually be your person. So if you are designing evening wear, we're going to put you with the evening wear expert and she's going to walk you through the floor. So that way she doesn't waste your time on the things that you don't care about and she nails the the things that you do and she talks to you about what your needs are also and learns about the line that way when you're applying for the show later or even in a year you already actually know a person and you're a step ahead of the game oh and i literally just show up at the show and i can do this yeah yeah absolutely oh, yeah you make it so easy 
um yeah thank you because as you said the credentialing boy sometimes it feels like they just don't want me there um (laughs) glad to hear you guys it's it's a breath of fresh air um so can we talk a little bit more about some of the opportunities for the the startup and emerging designers i know you mentioned you've got some of the small like 10 by 10 booth opportunities that are more reasonable price point and sometimes they're put in a certain you know area that's a destination spot for the buyer um but do you guys do anything like group booths or more collective type of things where you know people are pooling their resources to do this Oh yeah, we definitely have people share often that makes it a lot easier on their budget, right? So we're open to that. We just have an extra brand fee, which is much smaller. So we are open to that. Um, you know, a lot of people come in with showrooms. So sometimes if they can't afford to take their own presence, they will go in with their showroom and, and do that um, kind of marketplace feel booth, which is a lot less expensive as well. In each show that we have, we do have similar opportunities like that. So you don't have to come in on your own. Um, I have a WWD Magic, a booth called Online, where it's set up like a giant marketplace and each line takes a rack or two and they pay per rack. Mm-hmm. Again, Pool Trade Show also, we have Cash and Carry. That booth is $2,500. It's a six by, you know, it's, I think, 60 square feet or whatnot. Um, so we do have opportunities like this in all of our shows. It accessories the show. I have an area called feature, which is almost, you know, half the price of a normal booth. I am always open to it. Listen, I know that a lot of these brands are prepared. It just comes down a budget and they're mm-hmm. nervous to put their foot out there and really invest. Yeah. So we will work with you and each marketplace, whether it's men's, women's, kids, uh, accessories, we have these opportunities for you. So you just have to ask. I mean, definitely we're not marketing them all over the place, but yeah. we know that you brands have this potential to do the trade show and sometimes just not the full budget. So we work with you. And we also have a lot of access to, you know, discounted hotels and show tickets. And I mean, food, you know, in New York, we feed everybody. So we definitely try to help with some of the travel and T&E expenses also. Wow, that's really great. So it sounds like the best thing to do is really just start you know, if I feel like I'm, I'm to the stage where I'm feeling like I could be ready in 2019, or I mean, I guess this will be airing a little bit into 2019, but, um, to just reach out and have the conversation and let you guys like do your job and help point me in the right direction on all of this. Exactly. Let us help you. That's what we're here for. We should be almost like consultants for your trade show experience. Okay. I love that because it it can feel super intimidating. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess the goal of ours, because we realize that the shows are big, whether it's the whole magic marketplace or you're going to Coterie or any of our intermediate markets, we want to feel like the littlest or the biggest littlest show, excuse me. So it's our job to kind of curate these neighborhoods and make it shoppable for the brands. And I'm sorry, shoppable for the stores and make the brands feel like they're in the right neighborhood. So we merchandise it like a department store where it's easy to shop and the stores know where they need to go. So it doesn't feel overwhelming for them and it doesn't feel overwhelming for you. So rest assured, there's a lot of strategy and planning that goes behind this. And we will walk you through it and make sure that you're comfortable. I mean, when a brand comes to us and says, this is who they sit with at retail and here's their price point and here's who they want to sell. We take all of that into consideration when we're placing you on the show floor. Mm. We also are marketing that same buyer that you're trying to target 
with your brand info. Listen, every single retailer that shops at trade show wants to come and find new brands. They have their people that they love and are always reordering from, but they're coming to find true new. So you as mm -hmm. a brand ex exhibiting for the first time, you're going to be actually the debut and the one that's most marketed out of any of the brands that are participating. Mm, okay. That's really interesting because the, mm -hmm. the brands they already know, I mean, yeah, they can come to the show and it's always great FaceTime and it's great to see the product in person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the but one of the biggest value adds is them showing up and discovering that new brand that they just never would have tripped over spending all those hours digging through Instagram. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and you get to touch and feel it in person and see if you're interested and hopefully start a new relationship. And then you can order throughout the year or visit that person later. There's also a lot of different resources for our brands. We do webinars. Danielle's done a few on trends. We do some on like Trade Show 101, very much like this where we're prepping them. Cool. We at in Vegas, we do a lot of educational seminars in person. I mean, we have three people attend these on how to brand your business, how to go on e online, you know, so there's so many resources for brands that they're really not aware of that we do provide at both of the different marketplaces in New York and Las Vegas. I love that. And mm -hmm. so on that note, um, where is the best place for people to sort of go and to discover all those resources and tap into all the, the help you're providing? So some of it's online. We definitely put a lot of it on ubmfashion.com. So when you go to your show that you'll be exhibiting in or you're interested in, it'll say seminars, hotel and travel discounts, retail relate. Like we have all of that online. Okay. But I would say the rep that you're working with, so whoever uh, is selling you into the show and got you your booth, they're the person that will act as that consultant and mm. say, don't be afraid to say, what complimentary opportunities do you have at the show where I can market? Mm. What can I do better? And they'll say, well, at Magic, we have a swag bag participation you can do. Or, you know, Coterie, we would love to post you on social for a new brand highlight. So ask those questions. Don't just sign up for the booth and show up. We definitely want, and I mean, by the way, we'll also get you tons of materials to help you and offer these complimentary services to you as well. But you always don't be afraid to just ask for more. But the website is super resourceful as well. Okay, that's fantastic. Um, and I love that. Yeah, because, you know, you always see like, oh, well, how did they get their stuff in that bag? Or how did they get included in the three o'clock fashion show? Or, yeah. you know, whatever the thing is, um, the mannequins that are on display around like some of the, the seating areas where people go sit down and relax, they've got little setups and stuff. It's like, well, how did they get their stuff there? It's good to know. I mean, I imagine some of that might be add ons and pay for but some of it could be within your budget and you just didn't know to ask or to explore that opportunity. And you know mm -hmm. what? Read your emails because I know we all get <laughs> a lot of emails, but we're sending you those opportunities straight to your inbox and you're probably deleting them. So it's really yes. important to read those emails and take a quick glance because ultimately you could be missing out on that opportunity and then correct. What happens is the brand see the, their neighbor up on this beautiful display yes. that was totally complimentary that they could have taken advantage of if they would have just read the email. We have, you know, <laughs> email is the best way for us to communicate with our exhibitors because we have so many. So we'll send an email, send us your images to be included in the brand book. The brand book goes directly to all these retailers. It's free exposure for you. And oftentimes you would be shocked that we only get 
10, 15% of our exhibitors actually submitting oh. for this free exposure. It's so easy. You just have to open up that email. I know it feels like a lot, but there's some really great resources in there. Got it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I and I can feel myself doing that. I'm like, there's so many emails. Just delete, just clear. I know. I feel the same way. Right. Delete, but, delete. I know. Okay. At least give it a good scan and see, okay, is there anything jumping out that I need to, to take advantage of here? Um, yeah. And to know that like, chances are all the competition and all the other booths are not taking advantage of that. So that gives me even a bigger leg up that, you know, like you said, only 10 to 15% are maybe jumping on some of these opportunities. Yeah. yeah and and there's a lot of, sorry, Danielle, go ahead. Oh no, there's just a lot of bigger brands who, who are past that point with us. So it leaves us the time and energy, you know, to do it yeah. for the smaller guy, which is what we're going mm -hmm. to do yeah. is to grow, grow the smaller businesses, you know, Vince, Vince and Rebecca Minkoff and Joie and Kern Elliott and AG Jeans, they don't need that kind of support from us. They have right. in-house sales teams that are massive. You know, they help drive traffic to the show through their retail outreach. We're here to do that for the smaller brands and to get you guys, you know, up to speed. So awesome. allow us to. Yeah, yeah, right. I love that. I love that. You just got to read your email though, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Um, fantastic. Well, I would love to end the show with the question I ask everybody at the end of the interview. And that is, um, and you can each answer in your own um, time. So, so Danielle, I'll put you on the spot first and Kelly, you'll have a minute to think about it. Um, but what is one thing people never ask you about working in the fashion industry that you wish they would? Oh, geez. Oh, oh, oh my God. I know what I'm, I know my answer. <laughs> oh, I you wish, do? Yeah. I wish people, people always ask me about the glamorous part, but I wish people would ask about like the real day-to-day -day nitty gritty, because I don't think, you know, I've worked at fashion designers that are in the luxury space, designer space, now in a trade show, no matter what part of fashion, there are parts that are just a grueling, physically <laughs> exhausting, sleepless nights, um, you know, lugging luggages through different cities. There's just so many parts of your fashion career and the evolution in, in the fashion uh, world that is not glamorous. Um, and I think people always look at fashion as only glamour. And I, mm -hmm. I wish that people would ask me sometimes about the, the parts of the job that are not that way. They want to hear about your trip to Paris and they want to hear about this and they want to hear about that, but they, they don't ask about, you know, <laughs> the flight you missed and the, the airport you almost slept in and all of this, <laughs> this kind of stuff. So I just think that, yeah, I think the perception about fashion is that it's all glory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People don't talk about their rolling those racks and those suitcases mm -hmm. through Manhattan streets and you're sweating. It's the middle of August and it's yep. like rough. And it's like you, the designer are often the one doing that for the very, like the few first years at least. Yep. Yeah schlepping the rolling racks and the boxes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, all right. And so Kelly, what about you? Gosh, this is a, this is a little bit harder for me. I would say that often too, I get asked a lot about the travel and my customers and are they hard to, I mean, you know, us, designers, and I did have a clothing line before I started at Magic, you know, we're very aspirational and people always ask me about the designers and how are they? And is she sweet? Is she nice? I wish we'd asked more about our career support. And I really enjoy personally talking about 
the work-life, mom-life balance. And all of us um, do a really great job of that. So I wish we talked a little bit more about how to balance this kind of big career we are all trying to have in fashion in terms of whether it's having your own line or like Danielle and I working for a more corporate company, producing trade shows in the fashion industry, or if it's having your own retail store, you know, it's really easy to just be able to make it your entire life. But often we want to be moms or we want to be wives or we want to be friends and, and really talking more about how to have that healthy balance is important to me. Yeah. So what is one of the things that you do to, to help with that? Cause you're a mom, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I have two kids okay. and, and you know, it's, it's a big career to put on these trade shows and you can make it your entire life. And I often yes. <laughs> reach to Danielle to stop working and leave the <laughs> office at eight. I, I just, I really believe that you're a really more valuable employee if you're able to set boundaries. And I think it's important for me to tell my team that too, right? Because it's easy to want to stay till seven, eight o'clock at night and keep working. And I, I really set the boundaries with maybe it's my managers or with my team to say, hey guys, I want you to leave by 536, go to a yoga class, go get some food, be with your family, be with your roommates, whatever it takes. So then when you come back tomorrow, you feel refreshed. And another thing I do that's been really great for me that I actually learned from my therapist is when I come (laughs) home, when I come home, I imagine putting all my work crap and, and stresses and worries and budgets and everything. And I put, I imagine right before I walk into my home, putting it in a suitcase and I pack it up in that suitcase and I leave it at the front door. So when I walk in, I don't spend my night with my family just talking about what's happening at work or how I'm stressed out or anything because that's so easy to do or hop on my work emails. And I mean, listen, I do. I'm not perfect by any means. I definitely break the rules, but I do try to envision everything in the suitcase, leaving at the front door so I can walk in and just really make the time with my husband and kids about them. Yeah. So good luck with that guys. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great visualization tool right there. Um, And, you know, cheers to you for being that boss that encourages people to go home because I I think sometimes it's hard. A lot of workplaces, whether it's a specific boss or whether it's just the culture within the company, I don't think really foster that. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that can be an added challenge, but, um, thank you for being one of those people that does, because yes, that time after five 30, you know, the yoga and maybe the glass of wine with your spouse or your friend or whatever is so important to recharge and then be your best the next day. It is. And then you actually get more work out of your employees that way. You don't realize it at the moment, but they want to give back to even more and they appreciate you more. I mean, listen, there's a few nights that like Danielle knows we're floor planning, till super late we're ordering dinner for the team and whatnot but that should be far and few just when those moments come the other nights really make a boundary and set an example for your team and yourself set the boundary with yourself to go home and focus on your personal life as well yeah i love that thank you for that great advice um okay and so then if people want to learn more about all the shows you guys do and you know, maybe you're at the stage to initiate going down this path and reach out to you. What, where is the best place that they can find everything that they need? 
So our, our website, ubmfashion.com, okay. super usable right now. You can just go and click on the show that you think may be right for you. Or better yet, we have just like this, this submission form where you're just interested and somebody gets back to you and we could help you find the show you're right with. So that's probably the best. I would love to give you guys my personal information so you can reach out to me directly. And I'm sure Danielle will do the same. Um, we can give our emails if you want to put it on the notes in the podcast or whatever works best. And then personally DM us on social media. I think it's important for us to all be open. I love talking to designers or stores that have questions about the industry. So um, on on Instagram, I'm Gray Doll, G-R-E-Y-D-A-H-L, Gray Doll. My son's Gray and my daughter's Davy Doll. So that's where that comes from. But just shoot me a DM. And if you have questions about how to get started, that's always great. Go to our website. Danielle, you want to share your info? Yeah. Um, on Instagram, um, Danny, D-A-N-I-E, zero five. Um, and again, DM is super easy um, yeah. and casual and in fact, gets answered sometimes before emails. Don't tell. I anyone. agree. <laughs> so you know that's an easy way to do it. And again, our website is a great resource. We're going to be making major updates to it and making it even easier and putting like live chat functions on it that really make it seamless. But I would say if you want to chat with one of us or you're interested in anything that we said that like hit a nerve um, or made you think more, just make you know send it to us. We can follow your brand, look at it, give some suggestions. We love doing that. Okay. Yeah, and absolutely, and also our show Instagram handles as well. We'll get back to you fast there. So if there's a specific show that you're interested in, just DM us there as well. Okay, fantastic. And I will um, connect with you guys after the interview to get a list of all those. So everyone out there listening, I'll we'll collect all the Instagram handles and put them in the show notes so that um, listeners out there can easily reach the right place that they maybe think they want to start, or reach out to one of you directly to initiate a conversation and help them decide. That's great. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat and sharing all the wonderful advice. It was really fun. A lot of things I learned and I know the listeners are going to um, really, really enjoy getting all these awesome insights. So thank you so much for, for joining me on the show. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Danielle and Kelly, for joining me on this episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. And thank you so much to my husband, Mark, who handles all of the tech and editing and makes the show possible, as well as to my right-hand SFD team member, Saya, who makes sure each episode gets published and delivered to you on time every week. And of course, thank you to you for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you, and this show would not be here if it weren't for you. As a reminder, if you do enjoy the show, an iTunes review would be very appreciated. Again, you can do that anytime at sfdnetwork.com slash review, and maybe I will share your review on the air. As always, if you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes by scrolling down wherever you're listening. Thanks so much, you guys, and I'll talk to you in the next episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast.